tell you what, don't ever get tired of the love of God. It, uh, the pen could not control, uh, write the scrolls. If the heavens were those scrolls, uh, God loves us and sent his son to die on the cross so that we could have everlasting life. Praise the Lord for that. We're glad that you're here this morning. We trust that you come to worship the Lord. We're going to be singing some wonderful songs this morning about praising him. God is needing to be exalted because he is the King of kings and the Lord of glories. And I hope that in your heart you're ready to sing for his glory. So let's pray and ask God's blessings on this service. Father, we are grateful for your goodness to us. We are thankful, Lord, for your hands of mercy and grace. We understand that, Lord, things of difficulty come our way. And oftentimes, Lord, you bring them there, allow them to happen uh, for this world, for whatever reasons that you allow. But yet, Father, we know that there's an eternity coming. And that, Father, someday I hope and pray that each one here will be spending eternity with you. And we know that for a fact if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're grateful for that good news of salvation. So now, Lord, may you be exalted in our worship. I pray that you'll just undertake in everything that's said and done. And, Lord, I pray that we'll sing with our hearts this morning these songs of praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Good morning. Good morning. Let's stand together and sing and praise our Lord. Our first congregational song this morning is Praise Him, Praise Him.
like you meant it, and we ought to be praising Him. The Bible says that if we would refrain from that, that even the rocks would cry out and praise Him. And they do, don't they? The flowers, the things that we have, they, according to Romans chapter 1, display the power and the glory of the Lord, even in a fallen world that we live in. Well, our verse this morning is Psalm 146, 1 through 10. So you pay attention as we read this lengthy passage here this morning, but a wonderful passage, and I hope the Lord will speak to your heart even as the Scriptures are being read. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my uh, soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goes forth, he returneth to his earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Talking about the the, the finiteness of man. Um, Verse 5. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, which keepeth truth forever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord loose the prisoners. The Lord openeth his eyes of the blind. The Lord raises them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord preserveth the strangers. He relieveth the fatherless and the widows. But the way of the wicked, he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Uh, Thy God, O Zion, unto all generations, even 2016, praise ye the Lord. Amen? Amen. And amen. What a wonderful portion of scriptures. I've memorized a few of those verses, but then there's so much in there. It could be in a whole message this morning. Well, Father, thank you so much for our, our time together as we worship. And Lord, for our guests that are here as uh, they uh, listen and learn and our members and our tenders. And uh, Lord, we pray for Eleanor Trotter this morning who fell and uh, very serious injury. Uh, Lord, I pray Oh, Father, would you just watch over her right now? Such a godly woman. We love her dearly. And I pray that you'll just uh, undertake on her health and the doctors to have wisdom. And Lord, we're praying for this offering also. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the gift and the giver. Lord, help us to understand how blessed it is to give. What a joy it is to give back. And Lord, I pray that we'll be obedient as we give unto thee in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Jesus rescued me. I 
remain seated for our next congregational song. We'll sing together, Cleanse Me.
good singing. Thank you so much. Let's stand together for our last congregational song. We'll sing, My Hope is in the Lord. Thank you so much. You may be seated.
Lord. Thank you, Drew and Janie. Wasn't that beautiful? Amen. I taught Drew everything he knows. There's a Lord for that. Had to ask forgiveness for that one. Boy, I wish I could play like that. My, 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 my. Aren't you glad for our brass section? We are really brass, that's for sure. You know, we call ourselves the heavy metal. That's right. You know, that would be a good advertising tool. Come to Westside Baptist. They have heavy metal there. You know, I bet you we could get a crowd. But not a church. There's a difference. You know, we've been talking about that in uh, Matthew chapter 6, if you take your Bibles and turn there. Uh, we've been talking about honoring, glorifying the Lord. We've been talking about worship, what that means. We spent some time a couple weeks ago on that, and that worship is the idea of bowing down and surrendering to whatever God wants in my life. And, and that, is, that is just so very important. God gave us His Holy Spirit to live inside of us, to show us truth. Those that know Jesus as our Savior, let me qualify that. You know Jesus. He's giving you His Spirit to live inside, and you become a holy temple. He takes an old dirt pot, and He makes it a temple. Because God lives in my heart. How did He get in there? I invited Him in. I invited Him in to be my Savior, to take away all of my sins. And He has redeemed me. He has declared me to be right in His sight, which is justification. And therefore, I am to be going out there living as His child. The Bible calls us saints. And there is something that seems to be being lost today in the fiber of Christianity, and that is the holiness of God. And we talked about that two weeks ago, and for us to surrender to whatever God has, He's the King, He is sovereign. I'm afraid that some of our teaching today in churches, we've gotten away from doctrine. I've heard people say, I don't want to go to church where they're preaching doctrine. Let me tell you something. You base and you build your life on good doctrine. You read Paul's epistles and there he dealt with doctrine. And as he gave them doctrines, and you read Ephesians and you'll see this so clearly. He lays a wonderful groundwork of doctrine in Romans, which is the great doctrinal book. He he deals with, with sin there in the first three chapters. And then he deals with salvation in the next three chapters. And then he deals with sanctification in the next uh, uh, three chapters. And then he deals with the sovereignty of God. All these amazing... Amazing doctrines. And then, chapter 12, he deals with service. You don't want to get that messed up. Because if you don't know who God is, then you will not serve Him accordingly. You will not act accordingly. Now, when I, when I talk about this, and we've, we've spent some time on music and other things and stuff like that, I really want to encourage this congregation to be Spirit-led in your decisions, because that's what spirituality is. We've been dealing with this on Wednesday nights, 
Talking about the mind of the Spirit, the heart of the Spirit, letting God's Spirit control our lives. And this dirt pot being sanctified, being set apart positionally in Christ. And then our progression as we walk and we grow up. And every one of us is at various stages of our spiritual maturity. Would you not agree? Maybe some here, and I dare say there probably is some here, that have never started that journey. And you have not settled your eternal destiny. And that eternal destiny can only be settled by accepting Christ as your Savior. To know where you're going to spend eternity. That's a good thing to know. Amen to that. 1 John chapter 5 says, Man, I wrote these things that you might know that you have everlasting life. And I'm glad he said it was everlasting life. Amen to that. Wow. To know who God is. To know why He sent His Son to this world. To understand the Bible as we, we grow up. And we're all at different stages of that journey. And, and one thing that God just kind of spoke to my heart about this morning. And He says, don't forget my patience to you, preacher. As you are growing up still. Sometimes we can... Become unkind to those who have not spiritually grown up. We need to be careful about that. The Bible says, by the way, that man looks on the heart, but God looks on the... Excuse me. Man, got that wrong, didn't I? I see Brother Edwards going... That's not right. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart. Therefore, let me ask you this question. Is it godly or worldly to look on the outward? Worldly. Is it godly or worldly to look on the heart? Godly. And God wants us to be godly, God-like. And God's been convicting my heart about this in my decisions and things like this, that all of my decisions need to be God-like. And I need to be asking Him for the direction. Now, I know sometimes uh, children are to listen to parents. Isn't that right? Sometimes. Isn't that right, guys? Sometimes. Yeah. That's a new version, isn't it? God gives parents to be parents. And we need to be good parents. We need to help our children on their journey. Paul wrote one book as a daddy to children. In the faith, but they were children in the faith. What book was that? Come on, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Sounds like a hook, doesn't it? First Corinthians. First Corinthians. He says, man, I wanted to speak to you as mature people, but I had to give you milk because there's divisions amongst you. You're doing this and you're doing that. And so he starts that book out with a daddy talking to a child. Get it right. And then finally he gets into the doctrine. So wherever you are in your life and where your progress is in your life, I want to encourage you to ask God to lead you. Sometimes, yes, you follow the example of a pastor. If he's going in the right direction, right? <laughs> Does the pastor always go in the right direction? 
You know, you didn't have to say that so loud. I used to like you. You know that. That's very true. Sometimes the pastor doesn't go in the right direction. Or sometimes the pastor does things because he's the pastor. Or sometimes he does things because that's the way he was raised. And we begin sometimes to equate, well, if the pastor does it this way, then that's what makes you spiritual. No, 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 no. What makes us spiritual is being spirit-led. And so as we get into our worship and as we get into surrender... In every aspect of our lives, God says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So that means we need to be godly in everything we do. We talked about music. Music is there to glorify Him. What's happened today is music has gotten more into this idea of what I like. We need to ask, what does he like? The same way with our attire. And I talked about this attire just a little bit and everything. Too often we dress for our comforts and our conveniences. Isn't that right? Now, I'm not saying, hey, you need to wear a coat and tie. Me, I like wearing a coat and tie on Sunday morning. Now, tonight I probably won't wear a coat because it's 105 degrees out there. It's cooler than where my parents is, are. It's uh, 119 there. Yeah, can you imagine? What? I asked, do you guys like, oh, we love it. Really? I've been looking for a mental hospital for them. 119. How can anybody like that? It's dry. Yeah, you know what? They say that it's dry. It's like walking into the oven. It's dry in that oven. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? Can I preach without my coat? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, sometimes I might feel more comfortable in a coat preaching because that's the way I'm used to. I like wearing a belt, to be honest with you. I don't wear suspenders. Now, some of you need to wear suspenders, all right? But, uh, but you know, does that make you spiritual or unspiritual? You see, so what we need to do is we need to ask God, God, how do you want me to dress? What do you want me to eat? Where do you want me to go? Lord, do you want me to go to church? You know, oftentimes we make these decisions, whether it's convenient or comfortable, rather than is this convictions. We need to establish convictions. Somehow we think, well, because so-and-so doesn't do it, then I shouldn't do it. Or because so-and-so doesn't do it, uh, that, you know, there's, there's this thinking process that goes on that's, that's not healthy. And so I want to encourage you. Man looks on the outward. God looks on the heart. And as we go in our different journeys of our, of our directions of our lives, there shouldn't be different directions, the journey of one direction going towards heaven, may God lead us. May we be spirit-led people. Amen to that. And our music and all these types of things. Do you think there are possibly things that God could ask you to do that you don't really want to do? Almost every day it can be that way. But what I find that as Drew played, uh, my Jesus, I love thee. And you come to that place in your journey where you do things because you love God. It's such a different. Our praise is different. Our singing is different. Our devotions are different. Our walk is different. Our attitudes are different. May God help us 
in this. We serve an amazing God. And so last week we looked at the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer here in Matthew chapter uh, 6. And, and he says, after this manner, therefore pray you. And why don't we just uh, say this together? Can we do that? You have a scripture there. Uh, and many of you know this without looking at the scriptures. But let's say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And amen. Father, I pray that you help us in everything that's brought into this prayer, that we might understand these aspects of what is being said here. And that, Lord, that you will just speak in a great way now as we come to the scriptures in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Last week, we talked about this invocation or this adoration about God, our Father. And we need to understand this, this position that he's bringing in here is that we're his children. It's like a child coming before daddy and say, oh, give, uh, help me in this life. But you see this exaltation and who God is. And yes, we need to know who God is. In the Old Testament and in the Old New Testament, God reveals himself. Even in creation, God is revealed. You understand that? Romans chapter 1 says that the creations declare the glory of God and the power of God so that everyone in the entire world is without excuse. We don't worship a stick or a statue. We worship an eternal God. And when you go into those attributes of God, you discover who He is. And, and by the way, it, He can only be those attributes of God or else He would not be God. In that He is omniscient. He knows the beginning from the end. He is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's immutable, which means He's unchanging. I shared last week how that God spoke to my heart that, that when I'm up and when I'm down, that is changing. That that's ungodly. That sounds kind of tough, doesn't it? But you know, when we start gaining ownership of what's going on in our lives, then we can correct it. Too often, in, uh, we follow what Corinthians tells us in chapter 10. It says there's a, 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 a worldly sorrow out there, which is, I got caught. And people just keep on going in that direction. But the Bible says a godly sow worketh repentance not to be repented of. In other words, when God grabs a hold of my heart and I make some decisions, therefore I start working and going in those directions. We need to ask God to convict our lives and to show us and then make purposeful direction in going in the way that he would have us to go. This God that we worship, immutable. Patient. Aren't we glad for his patience? Mike, aren't you glad for his patience? Yeah. We got two mics right there in B shot range. There. We probably got another mic someplace around here. Any other mics around here tonight? Oh, here's one. Yeah. Uh, is that spelled differently, uh, Miss um, Know It All? I mean, I'm <laughs> oh, I wish I could spell M I C K E Y M O U S E, right? Oh, boy. Say, where did that come from? I have no idea. I was just saying, Lord, I had three cups of coffee this morning. I probably should have stopped at two. I, I'm not responsible for everything I say, all right? Oh. 
We have an amazing God. Do you know Him? Do you worship Him? Does He control your life? Is He calling the shots in your life? As we go into the Old Testament, we, we see His name Jehovah or Yahweh. Both of those are the same name, which means I am that I am. The, the reality is, is that He is eternal. Does that, doesn't that make sense? I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. Something has to be eternal. Something had to be to create all that we have. It's the only thing that makes sense. I am that I am. And you know what else Mike, what makes sense? Even though I don't understand it, the Trinity makes sense. You know why it makes sense? Because if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which is, means He's immutable... It means that he, his attributes are those same. And we have a God who loves. Isn't that correct? He loves. Who would he love if there wasn't a trinity? See, that just makes sense. Even though I might not understand all the ins and outs of the trinity, we have a God who's loved for eternity. He's loved his son for eternity. That's why when Jesus went to the garden... At Gethsemane, and he, he prayed and sweat drops of blood fell from his forehead. Because he realized that in a moment, the father would turn his back on his own son. Because in that moment of darkness that came upon this world, Jesus Christ took your sins and my sins upon him. Oh, I tell you, the love of God that we have. There's names that are given to help us to understand who God is. And some of these I might butcher as they're uh, tougher to, to, to pronounce than, than Mike and uh, John and things like that. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, our banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord, our Peace. Uh, Jehovah Raha, the Lord, our shepherd. Jehovah Tiskadanu, something like that. The Lord, our righteous. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present. Jehovah Yahweh, I am that I am. He is the one that has created this world. We are created in His image. He is the one who sent His Son to die on a cross so that you and I could get to heaven. And He is the one who has said there's one way to heaven. By the way, it is His heaven. Is that narrow? Sounds narrow, but God says, Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many go that way. Narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few that find it. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Uh, talking about Jesus, my dad, who I had the privilege to see come to know the Lord, not that I led him to the Lord, but I had an influence in that. And when I came home from youth camp, uh, Jesus changed my heart, changed my life. I got saved. And my dad saw that, and about a month later, he accepted the Lord as his Savior. Now for 46 uh, years, we've been able to enjoy the Lord together. My dad this week sent me um, this uh, little... Um, uh, facts. It talks about a name above all names. Talking about Jesus Christ. Listen to this as his name or who Jesus is, is evident in every book of the Bible. Did you know that? 
the Old Testament, which is three-fourths of the Bible, his name and who he is is evident in every book of the Bible. If you want a copy of this, be glad to uh, get that to you. But in Genesis, Jesus is the ram at Abraham's altar. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In number, he's the cloud by day and the pillar by fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the, the city of our refuge. In Joshua, he's the sacred thread out Rahab's window. In Judges, he is our judge. In Ruth, he's the kingsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is our trusted prophet. In the Kings and Chronicle, he is our reigning king. In Ezra, he is our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of everything that is broken. In Esther, he is the Mordecai sitting faithfully at the gate. In Job, he is our redeemer that ever liveth. In Psalms, he is our shepherd, and I shall not want. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. In the Song of Solomon, he is the beautiful bridegroom. In Isaiah, he is the suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentation, he is Jesus that is weeping, a weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he is the wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the midst of the fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is my Lord that is forever faithful. In Joel, he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, our Savior. In Jonah, he is the great foreign missionary that takes the word of God into all the world. You go on, and in Micah, he is the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is the avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman that is ever praying for revival. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer of our lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. In Matthew, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he is the miracle worker. In Luke, he is the son of man. In John, he is the door by which every one of us must enter. In Acts, he is the shining light that appears to Saul on the road to Damascus. In Romans, he's our justifier. In 1 Corinthians, he's our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, he's our sin bearer. In Ephesians, he is our unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he supplieth every need. In Colossians, he is full of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our soon coming king. In First and Second Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our blessed hope. In Philemon, he is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he is the Lord that healeth the sick. In First and Second Peter, he is the Christ the shepherd. Uh, in first and second and third John, it is Jesus who has the tenderness of love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with 10,000 saints. And in Revelation, lift up your eyes, church, for your redemption draws nigh. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. And that just starts the list. We have an amazing God who we have the privilege to serve. And we have the amazing truth, if you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you're going to heaven. So this is the invocation. This is that adoration. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he starts a petition. And you know, after all of this, you say, man, our daily Bread, our daily bread. 
understanding who God is and understanding how He wants us to come to Him and depend on Him for our daily bread. In America, is that hard to do? How many of you have refrigerators? This is a poor group here. Oh, my soul. Drew, we have, we need to take up an offering just for this church. Only half of you have refrigerators at home? How many have freezers at home? Do you put everything in the freezer? In our America, which, by the way, is a land that has been blessed because America wanted to honor God. But you mark it down, the day's coming. And if the Lord tarries, you need to remember what's being said this morning. Our daily bread. When I was in Africa, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers. Very few of them did. And so every day they would have to go to the market to get their meat or to get their supplies and things like that. I remember going up in the, in the woods someplace, the mountains, regions there that people would come across. They didn't have sack lunches that they brought. They ate from the, the, the forest as they came through that. They realized what daily bread means. It's interesting. They had very little, but yet they were some of the most happiest people I've ever met. Trusting Jesus. You know, that's where we need to be. And here he brings out, here, our daily bread. Trust. Yes, we trust Jesus for our heaven. How about every day that we walk? Do we come to him and we ask him to provide? Do we, listen to me, do we as Christians, do we stop at our mealtime and pause to give thanks for the food that he has put on our tables? If you're at work, are you afraid that maybe someone will see you thanking the Lord for the food that you're about to eat? God wants us to be praising Him and thanking Him for everything. For all that we have. All the skills of our life. And by the way, the daily bread here is not just talking about sustenance. It's talking about daily life. We have a God who wants us to come and trust Him every day. Did you get up this morning and thank Him for another day? Lamentation says that every morning His mercies are renewed every day. Thank you, Lord. God wants us to be thanking Him. God wants us to be praising Him. Isn't that correct? The Bible says that in the end time, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says that there will be an unthankful people. Let me ask you. Do you think you thank the Lord enough? I don't. You know, in everything, everything, be thankful. Uh, Friday, we had a uh, track meet, and my grandson was running in it. And uh, he decided to sign up for all the races. You know, it's wonderful to have youthful vigor, isn't it? And his parents said, you know, son, you ought to wear shorts. It's only getting up to 90 degrees today. He wanted to wear jeans. Now, Ben, you're a runner. Is that smart or stupid? Stupid. Sometimes parents know what they're talking about. Isn't that right? But you know what? He won every race. 
So the moral of that story is you can be stupid and still win. <laughs> he did start listening, though. This was amazing because we, we started telling him, you know, you know if you're going to run the 440, which is a quarter mile or 400, I guess is what it's called today. I said, this is how you need to do it. And I said, everything in your mind is going to tell you differently. But when you're going to run, he's never run it before. I said, when you're going to run, this is how you need to do it. Because we saw these fifth graders, they're fifth graders. And when, you know how a fifth grader starts a 440 out? How many have ever run a 440? How many? You know, I'm surprised that many in this crowd here. <laughs> Kid you. Uh, in, in, in these fifth graders, and you saw it. You saw it every race. There was those kids, wow, let's go for it! Within a hundred yards. <gasps> he said, son, run slow at first. Everything in your mind is going to say, take off. Listen. And I remember him standing at the, at the starting line. His dad says. <laughs> and as people passed him, I, I just, I could feel it in the, in the, oh, I need to run a little bit faster. I need to keep going. I, and he, he followed in directions. And at the end, he had the gas to go for it. You know, we need to be thinkers in the races of life. Amen. At the end of that, and after him winning all these ribbons and stuff like that, man, we're just so proud and. And I uh, kind of noticed that maybe he was too. <laughs> Can we get proud in our successes? Remember last week I says, I, My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know, too often we have a bank account or we have a car, or we have a house, or we have groceries, and all these things. And we don't have gratitude to the God who gave it to us. And I started thinking about my grandson, and look for those teachable moments. I said, hey, did you thank the Lord for helping you to run? Well, Grandpa, I hadn't done that. I'll do that. And he had run a, a 400 uh, is that, what's it called? A one by four? Or one, four, four by one? Four by one? Really? And his whole team was there. And I said, hey guys, let's thank the Lord for helping you to run. It is important for us, the skill of our hands or the ability on the trumpets. Thank you, Lord. He is just waiting for us just to say thank you. Have you ever done something for someone else and they didn't send you a thank you note or they didn't say thank you? It's just like, give me this and give me that. You know, that's a dangerous place to be. An ungrateful heart. There's a saying that goes about an ungrateful heart. When the heart of... uh, When the heart of gratitude... When the heart of gratitude dies, he is well nigh hopeless. We need to be grateful. We're living in a society and in a philosophy that is doing away with gratefulness. I have seen it in the schools. I've seen it on television where everybody's exalting each other rather than giving God the praise. I love it when a football player at the end, after he scores a touchdown, he gets down on his knees and he points up to God. Give God the praise. Give God the glory. He is worthy of it. Amen. Oh, 
Give us this day our daily bread. Now, do we have a God who's able to provide for us in our daily needs? Yes or no? You know, there are 7 billion people in this world, or plus now, I guess. Is there starvation in this world? Yes. Is it God's fault or man's fault? Man's fault. You go through the Bible and you'll see Israel where they turned their backs on God and God brought the the famines in their direction. Remember Elijah when he came to Ahab and he says, you wicked king and you've married that Jezebel. He did. I don't know all of them. I'm reading between the lines a little bit here. But he had 400 prophets to the God of Baal and uh, 400 prophetess to the God of uh, Ashrod. Wickedness. And Elijah says it's not going to rain, and he left. Remember the story? It's a marvelous story. And when you don't have rain for three and a half years, guess what happens? Famine came. But was God able to take care of his prophet, even in the midst of famine? And what did he use to take care of his prophet? Ravens. The un clean bird that would usually eat its own food there rather than deliver it to the prophet. But God controls things such. In this world, yes, sin, sin has taken its toll on humanity. It breaks my heart. Over in India, one of the poorest nations in poverty, they have 330 million cows. That are gods to them. And those cows eat 20% of the grain. And they have a whole bunch of rats that are also gods that eat 15% more. Sin in this world. And you know, if the Lord tarries, we're going to see sin affecting this country as well. To trust the Lord in everything that He does... Oh, to trust Him for our provisions, whether we're rich or poor. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities to trust you. Oftentimes, He'll bring difficulties our way so that we might trust Him. You get a little too cocky. In fact, the psalmist says, he says, don't give me so much or too little. You know, don't give me so much that I forget about you. Don't give me too little that I have to go out and steal it. Trusting the Lord. We have a God who's able to take care of us. Remember when um, Israel came out of Egypt? How many were there of them, approximately? Probably close, maybe two, three million. Two, three million. And he was going to, God was going to take care of them in the wilderness. Would you think that that might be a pretty big deal? Well, we read about it, and Brother Turner gave me this. I'd like to just read you just a little bit, because sometimes we read stories, and we don't think about what's really going on in those stories. Moses and the people of Israel were in the desert, but what was he going to do with them? He had to feed two to three million people, which requires a lot of food. You that have teenagers, you understand this. According to a quartermaster general in the army, he reported that Moses would have to have... Uh, 1,500 tons of food each day. Do you know that to bring that much food each day, it would require two freight trains one mile long each? Beside, you must remember that they were out in the desert. 
And they would have to have firewood to use for cooking. This would take 4,000 tons of wood and a few more freight trains, each a mile long, just for one day. And just think, they were there for 40 years. Oh, yes, they would have to have water. If they only had enough to drink and wash a few dishes, it would take 11 million gallons each day. And a freight train with tank cars 1,800 miles long just to bring the water. And then there's another thing. They had to cross the Red Sea in one night. Right? If they went on a narrow path, double file, the line would be 800 miles long and require 35 days and nights to get through. So there had to be a space in the Red Sea three miles wide so that they could walk 5,000 abreast to get across in one night. But then another problem. Each time they camped, at the end of the day, a campground, two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island, which would be required a total of 750 square miles. Think of it. This must much space for one night's camping. Do you think Moses figured all this out before he left Egypt? That's a good place to stop, isn't it? I think not. You see, Moses believed in God. God took care of these things for him. Now, do you think God has any problem taking care of all your needs? No. There are some verses that we uh, looked at. Uh, I think it was a couple weeks ago also about this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 through 31. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father knowing about it. And even as the hairs on your head are numbered, fear not, therefore... You are more valuable than many sparrows. You know, <clears throat> things that I'm talking about this morning in some of these verses, you need to know where they are. Because if the Lord tarries, I believe we're going to see some devastation that none of us have ever seen before in our country. Don't think America is going to be exempt from the judgment of God even before the tribulation takes place. Be mindful of that. You know, I was thinking, the Antichrist doesn't come on the scene and cry out peace for a world that probably was prosperous. I dare say he comes on the scene and he establishes his system because the world is in desperation. And the world tries to join together. And then they put together a monetary system that you're not going to be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. You all know about that? Now, I believe the rapture takes place before that. Praise God. He's not appointed us unto the day of wrath. But listen, this world, as we see it right now, if the Lord tarries, is going to change even to greater degrees. You mark it down. Could, a, could there be a nuclear holocaust before the rapture of the church? Yes or no? Have we been in fear of that since 9-11? 
There's been a greater awakening of what's going on. Do we see the, the things that are going on in the world? Just, you know, we don't get the paper at our place, but if you read the news and what's going on, there was another shooting in a college this week and, and then another shooting of police officers this week. And, and you read about all the things that are taking place. You need to remember these verses. Are you not much more valuable than many sparrows? Praise God for that. Uh, Psalm 37, 25. I have been young and am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, what? Begging for bread. You know, I've tried to make it a principle in my life, and I'm thankful that God spoke to my heart a long time ago, even when I started the ministry, maybe even before that. But I, I remember at the start of the ministry that we were going to trust God to take care of us. And if we didn't have something, we trusted God to provide. And if he wanted us to have it, he'd provide for it. If he didn't provide for it, he didn't want us to have it. Does that sound like the concept today? People want things sometimes too soon in their lives. They find themselves in great debt. And then there are people who have not learned to trust God or put God first or seek God first. You know, for 37 years... We've had people call, and, and don't get me wrong in what I'm going to say here, because I believe we all need to be spirit-led in helping our brothers and sisters or people in need, yes or no. I've said this time and time again, don't ever resist a generous impulse. God will bless you. God will take care of you. We need to be spirit-led in how we help people, who we give to, how we conduct our lives in every aspect. But in 37 years, when I've had somebody come and ask me for money, and if in that time I've asked them, listen, are you putting God first in your tithes and offerings? Mike, I don't remember one saying yes. Most people would say no. I says, you know what? The greatest thing is not me giving you 20 bucks or 100 bucks. The greatest thing in your life could come to be you trust God. I'm just telling you, we have a God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. I remember times for the first 15 years of our ministry here, we were on poverty level with six kids without medical insurance, no retirement. And seeing the hands of God, I'm going to tell you something. That's a great place to live. Live by faith. This building project, do you think that God's maybe trying to build some of our faith? And when we have needs and struggles and things come up, what do we do? We pray and ask God to provide. Does God answer every prayer? Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a trick question, wasn't it? Yes. It could be yes, no, or wait. That's all right. I was talking to this dear brother James here, Janie, excuse me, and, 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 and he says, you know what? We like to run ahead of God. I says, oh, you, you and I must be cut out of the same fabric. Want to run ahead of God? Sometimes it's tough to wait, but God says, wait on the Lord. They that, uh, what's that? Uh, yeah, for us shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 4031. Amen. But things come in our lives. And just let me close with this because our time is gone. 
I wish I could spend more time with us this morning. In fact, I just covered one of my three points this morning. I told the congregation the first service is that when I quit, I quit, okay? (laughs) Now, for you guys, we don't have quite as much time for freight, but we want to get home and, and I want to go to the hospital to see Eleanor. My heart breaks for her. She's doing okay? Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you. She doesn't have any broken bones. She came out of the van and crashed onto the concrete. Fell out of the wheelchair. Oh, all I can do is say, thank you, Lord. That's the hands of God's grace because Eleanor's a godly woman. She has a prayer meeting every Monday at Alpine. And people come there. They pray. They pray for us. They pray for situations in Alpine. But whether you're godly or not, does that not does it mean that you don't have problems? You have struggles. I started the book of Job this morning. Did he have problems? Just a few. I started journalizing the book of Job. I'm going to do that this time through my devotions. Because as Donna, as I was reading this morning, wow. Wow. By the way, I encourage you to journalize your devotions. Write down those things that God speaks to you. I encourage encourage you to have uh, prayer journals. I I encourage you. I I remember starting my prayer journal on a four by six card. And and now my, my prayer journals have developed. And not just to rush through it as a habit of the day, but believe that there's a God whom we worship and serve who answers prayer. But sometimes it doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out. Because God knows what's best for our lives. Yes or no? Here, Paul says, so much, so such, I mean, of such. Is that what it says up there? You know, sometimes you've got to adjust your bifocals just right. Of such. And one will I glory. He says, he's talking, I'm going to glory in the Lord. Yet of myself, I will not glory. But in my infirmities. He's not glorying in his successes. He's not glorying in all his... He's glorying in his infirmities. And you say, why? What in the world? How many of us want to glory in our infirmities? Thank you, Lord, for that flat tire. He goes on and he answers, why? For though, he says, I would desire to glory. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The three root sins, one of them is the pride of life. How well did I do? He says, I will not be a fool, for I will stay, say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Paul says, listen, you see me in public. He says, I don't want you to glory in me in public. I don't want you to glory in Paul. I don't want you to think Paul, some, somebody special. We're all on a journey. He says in verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure, Through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me. Paul had written 13 books of the Bible. And he had this communication with God which was so marvelous. He says, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. 
Now, I'm sure when this first thorn came into his life, he didn't realize what it was for there. And he says there was a, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. You know that word buffet means? means to beat you black and blue. Come here, I'll, I'll demonstrate. All right. Man. He says, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. You know, we pray for the afflictions. We pray for the infirmities. We pray for people. And yes, God answers prayer. But Paul realized that after three times of praying for this, he says, you know what? There's something in here that I'm supposed to learn. This is what he says. He said unto me, that's God saying to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect. It matures in your weaknesses. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure. Man, when I first preached on that, it took my breath away. I says, God, I don't take pleasure. God, could you help me to understand this? Now, oftentimes when I pray that kind of, kind of prayer, he has ways that wasn't in my thinking and how he answers that prayer. But in this way, he used the scriptures to help me understand. He says, I take pleasure because I understand that when the struggles of life come, I depend on the Lord. And it is so wonderful to trust in the Lord. We quote this verse, and you can quote it with me. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. Do we believe it? Amen. He says, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions in distresses. Those don't sound like a fun day, does it? For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Father, I pray that you help us now as we have finished up this message. Just the first part here of give us this day our daily bread. Depending on you, trusting in you, walking with you on a daily basis, having a time that we don't just rush into the day without our prayer and asking you to help us on our journey. Oh, Father, forgive us if we ever do that. Help us to be mindful of who this day belongs to. This is the day that the Lord hath made. We're going to rejoice in it. We're going to walk in it. We're going to follow you throughout this day. We're going to make our decisions based on what you would have us to do. Rather than being led by all the other things that are in this world. So help us. So my message this morning is trusting the Lord. Number one, do you trust him for your salvation to take you to heaven? Nothing else. One way, Jesus Christ. If you don't know that, my friend, I'd love to talk with you before you leave the services today and come to trust the Lord. If right in your seat you recognize that Jesus died on that cross, He was buried, He rose again, and He did that for you, for your sins, for the eternal penalty, and He's able to wash away all of that eternal penalty sin, then trust Him. God cannot lie. Trust Him. No other way to heaven. But as you've trusted Him for eternal destiny, my friend, trust Him every day. Maybe some of you are brought under conviction about Thanksgiving. Maybe this morning you were brought under conviction that when problems and struggles come up, 
Maybe you haven't realized that God's trying to build your life through that. Or maybe He's trying to get you to trust Him. Or maybe the Lord has said, you know what? I need to start my days with prayer. Simply trusting every day. If God spoke to your heart, why don't you, in this invitation time, you just deal with God as laid on your heart. The invitation is open. You can come during this service, the end of the service here, or at the conclusion. I encourage you, take some time to pray. Maybe if God did speak to your heart, you say, thank you, Lord, for getting my attention on some needed areas. That's the grace of God. That's the love of God. So, Lord, you help us in our decisions. And we don't just rush out into that heat that's out there. But we thank you for what we've learned today. And may we be doers of the word and not just hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Simply trusting. It's 490 in the, the songbook. 400 what? 440, excuse me. 440 if you take your songbooks and turn there. We'll sing just the first verse. If God spoke to your heart, you can take this time to pray. Now we're at the conclusion of the service. Simply trusting every day. Let's sing it together, shall we? Simply trusting every day. Trusting through a stormy way. Trusting as the moments fly, trusting as the days go by, trusting Him, whatever before, trusting Jesus, that is all. Man, can you imagine the peace? that passes all understanding by trusting in the Lord. If there are other decisions we made, please visit before you leave. Tonight, we're going to come back together at 5 o'clock. Brother Turner's going to be preaching tonight. And afterwards, we have a whole bunch of sandwiches left. And uh, the ladies didn't eat them, so you come back and help us eat them up tonight, all right? We'll be eating good in the Scriptures and eating afterwards. And then the bulletin has a lot of things that are going on and a few other things. There's a sign-up for John Vager. He's coming in tomorrow. He's our our, um, sound engineer. And we're looking for people that uh, maybe know how to solder wires together. That's a possibility. And all he'll be with us all week. And so there's meals that are needed for him. He'll be staying here in the guest room. And then for our young at heart, that's 45 to 65. Friday, which is the only day that's supposed to rain this week, we're supposed to go out and play putt-putt. All right, $10 a person. Sign up list there on the back. If it does rain, we might have to cancel it uh, unless we're really true Oregonians. And most of us weren't born here. So uh, anyways, Quilts of Valor on Saturday. There's a, a all. And guess what? I guess you'll be my friend again, Rosie. <laughs> Rosie's coming a new member of our church. If you're glad for that decision, say amen and clap and we'll blow it. Thank you, Rosie.
If you are interested in joining Westside Baptist Church, let us know that. We'll give you some information to help you to know what kind of church you're joining. Amen. That's a good thing to do. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you.